This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. We were created to be in community. That's the way God created us. Isolation is the enemy to excellence. That's Aaron Walker, entrepreneur, speaker, author, and mastermind. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to another Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. Along with Armin Asadi. And we're so glad you're with us today to put another episode in place to put your faith to work and your bold idea to life. And uh, we're ready to get going on this cold, snowy day. Right, Armin? That's right. It's only, uh, what, 30 below with the windshield out here? We are in the middle of a polar vortex. And by the time this show airs, it'll probably be balmy, I don't know, whatever here in Minneapolis. (laughs) It'll at least be above zero by that time, I think. But Hey, we are so delighted to again have our friend, Aaron Walker, mastermind, leadership coach, and entrepreneur. He has successfully started and built a dozen businesses in over 38 years. His first business he sold when he was 18 years old to a Fortune 500 company. He shared a mastermind group with Dave Ramsey, Dan Miller, Ken Abram, and other notables, and is the author of A View from the Top, Living a Life of Significance, and a co-author of The Mastermind Blueprint. Well, I mean, it's a real treat when we get to have a guest back on the show, and I can't wait. I've been waiting for a long time. You and I have both been waiting for a long time <laughs> yeah. to have Aaron Walker back on our program. So, Aaron, welcome to the Bold Idea Podcast once again. Hey, Larry. Thanks for having me. Armin, always good to talk to you, buddy. Thank you guys for having me on. Oh, yeah. We're so glad that you did. You know, last time we talked was way, way back at episode 19, and you had just released your book, View from the Top, Living a Life of Significance. And uh, we talked about success and significance, and, and that was such a good interview. And if our listeners have not listened to that episode, they need to go back and they need to hear your heart, Aaron. Um, mm-hmm. And I know they'll hear it today, but, uh, but you had so many good things to share on that episode. Tell us just real quickly before we get into what I want to talk to you about today, how, how's that book been received and, and what, have you, what kind of feedback have you gotten from it? Well, you know, it's done well. I mean, we're not a New York Times bestseller, but uh, we didn't really go at it with that in uh, in our anticipation. But it's done good. It directs people to join our mastermind group. Uh, I'm very raw in the book, and I really share the life stories over the past 40 years that I've encountered in being an entrepreneur, 12 businesses behind us now. And so you have a few successes and a few failures, and I share it all. And I share a lot about my faith and what Christ has meant to me in my life. It's the very foundation of who I am. And I share that in the book openly as well. There was a real pivotal moment in my life, and you two guys know it well, but it was a horrific automobile accident. And I share uh, everything in great detail about that in, as well and how it transformed my life. So it's been received well. It's doing very good. Uh, it can always do better. You know, no author is ever happy with the results, but uh, quite honestly, it's doing very well. Well, and that's that's my cue. Um, I know you're not even asking for this, but go out and buy a view from the top. You won't, you won't regret it. I know Armin and I both really enjoyed our conversation and that book because uh, we, we kind of share that same entrepreneurial drive. We can never see enough of creating a new business and also passion for the Lord that you have for the Lord. That's mm-hmm. all great. Now, one of the things that you said in that book, Aaron, I want to dive into a little bit today because you said relationships are a number one asset. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when we take stock of assets that we have in our lives, that, that may not be the first thing that comes 
to mind. So expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I didn't really understand it completely myself uh, as a young businessman. But now that I reflect back and I watch my dad, my dad was a great man, great character, very honest, had uh, huge integrity. And one thing that he probably demonstrated more in his life than anything was relationships. People love my dad. I mean, we belong to, you know, fishing clubs and hunting clubs and we bowled together and we worked together and we were together all the time. And the first thing on everybody's mind when I walked in the room is, hey, how you doing? Good. Where's your dad? And it was like, what about me? I mean, like, you know, I'm in this too. But people love my dad. He was like a magnet because he was always thinking about other people, looking out for them. He loved to tease and he was an encourager. It was building those relationships and I saw it. And it was modeled as a child. Well, as I became older and I had mentors in my life, they always said as well, hey, man, you need to build relationships. You need to get outside of yourself. And the number one asset you're going to have is building these relationships. And I'm like, well, I kind of get it, but I kind of don't. Well, now looking back 40 years, you know, being an entrepreneur, I can honestly say that relationships are your number one asset. Nothing trumps a relationship. And that's the reason now that we spend probably 20, 30% of our time building relationships, encouraging, edifying other people and lifting them up to solidify that relationship because they're a phone call away from being able to give you resources and help and support. And so for me, I stand by that relationships are your number one asset. Yeah. Was there a particular event in your life where that became crystal clear for you? You mentioned that it was more, there was a progression that you, you know, as you look back on your life, you see that, but was there a time that was maybe a defining moment where that really came into relief for you? Well, you know, what's funny is through success and we rarely learn through success. We normally learn through failure. And many, many times when I needed people around me the most was through failures. And then particularly 18 years ago, when I had the automobile accident, it literally blindsided me. I didn't see that coming like nobody sees an accident coming, but this happened and it was horrific because a pedestrian was killed in the accident and people came around me then and supported me and people like Greg Smith and Alan Lindsay and Charlie Haygood and many, many other guys would call me and come and get me and take me to lunch and come and sit at my house or at the office and they would just hang out. They would be there. And I felt this sense of comfort in just their presence. They didn't have to really even say anything because what can you say to somebody that's had that kind of accident? And so just their mere presence in that relationship gave me great comfort and peace. So I think it's always been through the devastations, the tragedies, uh, the catastrophes in my life when I've really leaned on those relationships the most. Mm. Aaron, I got a weird question for you because um, I I have a few people in my life very close to me, one of which is my wife where they would have a tragic or life-defining situation happen to them, but the people that were closest to from the church would completely turn their back on them. So the exact opposite would happen. The relationships that they depended on to be there for them would actually do the exact opposite by rejecting them or walking away from them because they assumed the worst. And in all three of the situations I'm thinking of, it caused all three people to walk away from the faith because those Christian relationships became the representation of Christianity. Do you experience that a lot in all the talking and meeting of people that you do when you share your story about how people came around you? Yeah, that's a great question, Armin. And unfortunately, that's the norm, not the exception. A lot of people will do that. Here's the truth of the matter. We're all fallen 
people and we all make mistakes and we all pass judgment and we shouldn't quite honestly we should walk alongside people and be there to support them and encourage them but also to be there to call them out and to let them have some sense of restitution let them have some sense of remorse and let them admit to their faults or their errors and still walk alongside that person uh, quite honestly, I'm a guy that you want on your team because I'm going to be there for you through thick and thin, good or bad. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be there. If I'm your friend, I'm going to be there. Now, I may call you out. I got a phone call this week from a guy, and he called me out. I've been working with this guy for a long time, and he called me out. That's a real friend. The wounds of a friend can be trusted. But if you walk away from that situation, you have no ability to breathe life into them again. You have no ability to walk alongside of them and show them the error of their ways. And so many times that happens in the church today, and it's very unfortunate. You know, there's no church discipline anymore. And so when something happens inside the church, the church takes their hands off of it. Well, in biblical days, you know, there was church discipline. People would come around and they would say, hey, we're going to deal with this situation. That's just not the case anymore. We're hands off. We don't deal with situations, things that are difficult in our church. They kind of, they call me Frank. And the reason is, is because I'm very frank with situations. <laughs> and when there's very difficult situations in relationships, oftentimes I get called in because I don't look for it and I don't like it, but I don't run from opposition. I don't run from confrontation because that's when you're going to grow the most. That's mm -hmm. why our mastermind is called Iron Sharpens Iron. Because when you get in the trenches and one guy really loves the other, and there may be sparks, there may be differences of opinion, but we're going to get to the bottom of it, and we're going to hug each other, and we're going to walk out, and we're going to be united as a result of it. And I just think oftentimes in churches, we don't do that today. You know, I love what you're saying. It almost seems like common sense, but in the world that we live in right now, it seems like mission impossible because it is such a politically correct and conformist mindset culture now that if I don't think the way that you do and you don't think the way that I do, then we can't actually be in the same camp together and mm -hmm. that we can't actually bond. We can't actually have that kumbaya moment or whatever it may be. So in, especially my culture, you, I, I, I'm as a millennial, you know, if you breathe the wrong way, I'm offended because you breathe the wrong direction. So uh, I, I trying to navigate this ridiculously PC conformist, whatever, whatever uh, culture that we're in, how do you help create that in these groups that you're in? Well, it's difficult and it takes time. And one of the things that you just said, you know, there are cultural differences and then there are you know, the millennial mindset and this is, you know, offensive to me. Well, I wanted to say one thing about being offended. You choose to be offended. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have to be offended. You choose to be offended. And so oftentimes we go through life and we wear our feelings on our shoulder instead of saying, hey, I view it this way, but why don't you share your perspective? Why don't you enlighten me based on the information that you have? And I think it takes very large people to be able to do that, you know, in order to come together and say, based on my culture, based on the, my experiences, where I was raised, the type of education that I've got, this is my vantage point, and you share with me yours. And many times that person can prove themselves to be accurate, but we don't give them the opportunity. Oftentimes, we're looking for confirmation bias. We're not really looking for somebody else's opinion. We're looking for people to agree with us. And you surround yourself with the people that are going to confirm what it is that you believe. I think you've got to go into it with an open mindset. You've got to go, I really want to learn. I want you to share. 
But the vast majority, I don't know what percent, but the vast majority of people are looking for people to believe what they believe rather than looking for maybe there's another opportunity. Maybe there's another vantage point. We have different filters in our life and we have different life situations that color the way we view things. There are many things that I feel very strongly about and it's because of certain situations that's happened in my life, the way I was raised, the way I was trained. I want oftentimes not to feel the way I do, but it's hard. It's in your DNA. In the book, Mindset, Carol Dweck talks about having a growth mindset, being open-minded. That doesn't mean being liberal. That doesn't mean being this way or that way. It just simply means that you are open to other thoughts. Jeff Hoffman is a guy that I follow and like. He was one of the founders of Priceline. And he said that some of his best ideas for his multi-billion dollar companies have come out of reading things that have nothing to do with his present business. Mm -hmm. I heard him speak and then I got an opportunity to talk to him afterwards. And he said that 10% of everything he reads has no relevancy whatsoever to any companies that he owns. And he said, ironically, out of that comes some of the best business mind-opening scenarios for him because it opens new opportunities. It gives him a different vantage point. And I think we need to deal with life that way. Yeah, you know, it occurs to me as you talk about confirmation bias and as Armin is bringing up the culture, I think we live in a very egocentric culture now that's that's very much about promoting ourselves and our interests and social media certainly fans that. But confirmation bias and egocentricity go together. We're looking to confirm that we're okay, that the way we see the world is the right way to see the world. And it really calls into, I think what you're really talking about here is why relationships are a number one asset is because they help shield us from stupid confirmation bias, basically, let me put it that way. Things where we're going to get so insular that all we do is we surround ourselves with people who are able to become a big echo chamber for ourselves. Yeah, that's really not the way you're going to grow. That's right. And the way you're going to grow is surrounding yourself, being open-minded to various possibilities. That's right. That's right. So let's talk about that because really at the core of this is establishing the kind of relationships as your number one asset that are going to stretch you and grow you like you're talking about. And that really comes down to finding really great mentors. You've had a bunch in your life. Talk about those. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes way back. It probably goes back two and a half, three decades ago. You know, I've had various people in my life for various times and I search them out for the most part. See, people wait and they say, hey, nobody's ever offered to do that. Well, nobody's going to really offer you anything in life. You've got to go out there and go for it. You got to go out there and get it. And so I would seek out these mentors. I would search. There was one guy, he was an old guy. Listen to this. Fifth grade is the most he had. He was a farmer. He lived on Licton Pike in Goodlettsville, Tennessee. A great man. He had 50 years of marriage and he had you know, 50 plus years in the workplace. And I took to him like a grandfather. I mean, this guy was amazing. And the life skills that he had, he didn't have a formal education, but this guy had a huge education. And I would go over there every opportunity I would get. He would come to my house and Robin liked to work out in the yard and do some things. And he taught her many things and our kids many things. He was a mentor of such for about 15 years, maybe a little bit longer. There were other people in the spiritual realm like David Landreth. He was a pastor of our church. And I went to him and said, hey, let's work together. And I was on his accountability team. We met every Sunday morning, seven o'clock for seven or eight years. And we would do life together and vacation together. And we would go places and I would walk with him and go to him and say, hey, I've got this situation with my marriage. I've got this situation from a spiritual standpoint. And weekly, 
every week for years and years and years, almost 20 years, we walked together in situations. Bob Warren was absolutely my hero. Bob Warren had a place in Hardin, Kentucky, where he taught people uh, how to do life in many facets. And I'd go to his conferences and I would go up there during the week and we would work on properties that he had. And I'd travel with him and he would call me throughout the week and we did life together. It takes a lot of energy, Larry, Mm -hmm. quite honestly. It takes a considerable amount of your time and energy and effort. But see, I want to get better. I don't want confirmation bias on just everything that I believe. I want to be able to say, hey, Larry or Armin, what do you think about this? And you go, man, that's a great idea, but this is a different perspective. And I'm like, scratch my head. And I'm like, man, that's got a possibility. And let's explore that more. But when you're closed off, mentors don't work because you think you know it all. You know, it's like, hey, I don't need that in my life. See, we were created to be in community. That's the way God created us. Isolation is the enemy to excellence. And if you want your life to go to the next level, you've got to surround yourself with people that can help take you there, first and foremost, by being authentic, transparent, and vulnerable. And they need to say it to you even when it's difficult. See, that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear just what makes me feel good. I want to hear what makes me better. That's good. I just wrote that down. Isolation is the enemy to excellence. That's, that's good stuff. Now, how do you find really great mentors? In other words, what, what do you look for in a mentor? What makes a great mentor? First and foremost, you have to have some common themes, uh, things that are of interest to you. Uh, there are certain things in life that I'm just certainly not interested in whatsoever. Armin mentioned earlier, uh, you know, people want to be politically correct. You know, there's not a politically correct bone in my body. <laughs> so I'm just being <laughs> honest with you. There's just not. I'm like, I'm going to respect you. But at the same time, I'm going to say what I feel God's laid on my heart. And if you're man enough to stand up and take it, I'm man enough to stand up and hear it. So let's talk through it. But as far as me just looking the other way, there are a few things in life that I think are absolutes. And there are some other things that I think have the possibilities of changing my opinion or my thought process if you give good feedback. And so for me, I'm looking for a person, first and foremost, that is willing to tell me the truth. Now, they may view it differently, but they're not going to think one thing and tell me another. Or we're not going to have a conversation. And then, like, Larry, if you and I were talking and we differed on the opinion, you go, oh, well, that's interesting. And then I got off this podcast interview and you looked at our meeting and go, you know, that guy's crazy. I mean, what he's thinking is really that it should be this way. If you're willing to share it with our mean, I want you to be willing to share it with me. Mm-hmm. I want you to say, hey, this, you know what, Aaron, I love you, but I don't agree with you on this. And here's why. Or... I agree with what you're saying, but be man enough to tell me the truth. And that's what we require in the mastermind groups that we're in. It's like, if you're not going to come in and tell me the truth, what you really think, you can't help me. The other thing is core values. I want you to have the same core values because if we don't have the same core values, you're not going to be my mentor because we have to have something to measure by. And so I'm looking for somebody that's got core values. I'm also looking for somebody that is interested in my behalf. They're not interested in self-gain, self-promotion. They're interested in helping me accomplish the things that I set out to do. Many, many people will invest in you, but there's a payback. Well, I'm not interested in those kind of relationships. Mm -hmm. So if you'll do those four things, I think you'll seek out a good mentor. So, you know, uh, at, as the millennial in this conversation, I'll keep bringing that up, but most of us kind of have a good idea of who we want to mentor us. You know, 
you would be a great mentor for me and a lot of other people. But where we get stuck is how do we go after an Aaron Walker or Larry Gates and say, hey, we're just a bunch of idiots running around trying to figure life out. And we don't really have much to offer other than we're willing to listen. And we just need desperately to be around you. How do we land the Aaron Walkers and Larry Gates of the world Mm -hmm. to give us the Mm -hmm. time of day? Yeah. First of all, Armin, I'll challenge two things that you said. First of all, uh, you're not an idiot. You're a very smart guy. And second of all, you've got a lot to offer uh, me as a millennial because you're living in a different time frame than I am. There's many things that you could educate, teach me, show me, and help me. So you do have a lot to offer, first and foremost. Second of all, you've just got to ask. You've got to call these guys and go, hey, you know, I'm interested. Now, the other side of that coin is Larry or myself may or may not have the bandwidth at that time. And most of the time, quite honestly, the answer is no. I mean, because we're very busy and I do mentor people and I do lead masterminds and I coach and I speak and I write and I travel and I've got a wife and five grandkids and two daughters and a son-in-law and I'm busy, right? So I've got a lot going on. But I do want to allocate a certain amount of my time to help people. I started a company with four young men and these guys were 18, 19 years old and it's called CMAC. Chris, Michael, Aaron, and Kobe. There was four of us. And it was a real estate company. And not boasting, but I know a lot about real estate investing. It's been 50% of my income for 40 years now. And so we would buy condominiums and rent them out and sell them. And I taught them the process. I mentored them in real estate. Two of those guys have gone on to be very successful. Not all of it attributed to that, but a lot of it was attributed to that. I also had six men that were in that same age bracket, 19 to 25 years old, and I had them to come to my office every Monday morning, 6 a.m. for an hour and a half, and we read books together. We did masterminding. We encouraged. I helped with marriage situations and problems, and we called it the torch like where I hand the torch from me to you, like I'm passing to the next generation. We did that for six and a half years every Monday morning. And I want to encourage the guys that are listening to me now, Larry and you and Armin's audience, you need to be doing that. If you've had any success whatsoever, you need to be doing the real estate deals or you need to be doing passing the torch and meeting in your conference room. Scott Beebe is one of the guys in our group. He's our team leader and he meets with four high schoolers every Friday morning, six o'clock, and he's doing the exact same thing that I did with those six guys or 10 guys for six and a half years is that you're passing the torch, you're helping. And guys, we can't just have all this information and this knowledge and this wisdom and not share it with the next generation like the millennials is the next generation that's going to be up and coming. We need to invest energy and time. They're going to be running our country. And I want my grandkids to live in a place that's safe and a place that's thriving. And the only way we're going to do that is if we pass these core values, mentoring on to other people. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. Well, I mean, let's take a moment and give thanks where thanks are due. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody that's out there supporting this podcast so that it can exist, thank you because it would not exist without you. Oh, that is so true because this is a nonprofit endeavor. We don't make any income from it. Very nonprofit. <laughs> In fact, we, we uh, provide support to it. So we're so appreciative of you're joining with us through your tax deductible contribution to make this show possible. 
And if you do want to support and keep this bad boy going, then just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate. As you go about and talk to audiences about this, where do you find more of the resistance? Is it with the young people seeking mentors and not knowing how to find them or with the older generations showing or expressing interest in helping the younger? I think it's some of both, but quite honestly, to be truthful, I think it's the lack of mentors. Uh, I think the desire is there for like Armin to have mentors, but he doesn't really know what to do. He doesn't know how to pursue it. Here's the two things. The guys my age are going, ah, oh, there's other people doing that. And then there's guys Armin's age that's going, I'm afraid to ask because he may say no. And so there's this great divide. There's this gulch between those two. And what we need to do is petition the guys that are my age and say, hey, you guys need to step up to the plate. And I need to go to Armin and say, hey, these are some things. These are some places that you should go. And here's how you should approach these people. Here's the other side of that coin. And it's not just in mentoring. And I hope people are listening loud and clear to me right now. A lot of people are saying, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to go out into business, but I don't have the resources. And then I go over here to a dinner at my friend's house. And there's 10 of us sitting around and we're talking and we're going, We've got money to invest and we can't find anybody that's on their game enough that we're willing to invest our money in. And so what guys need to know, like our means age is like, hey, if you just show some initiative, if you just show up and do the right things and you give more than the customer is requiring in order to get paid, if you are really excelling, there's a guy named Jacob right now and he's been calling me. This guy's on fire. He's probably 28 years old. He's going to be moving to Nashville, has all the right questions, very respectful, sends me emails and says, Mr. Walker, I would love to speak to you. I know you live in Nashville. I've got some questions. Call. He's respectful of my time. Ask amazing questions. This guy's just lighting it up with his questions. Who do I need to know? What books do I need to be reading? What are the habits that I need to be forming? What habits do I need to stop? Who are some of the thought leaders in Nashville that I need to connect with? And I'm like, Man, dude, where I need to open a business for you. You see, so it's two-sided. But most people are sitting waiting on guys like me to come to them. I'm not coming to you. I'm just not going to do it. You need to show yourself. You need to step up to the plate, make an initiative, and then you're going to get opportunities. Yeah, so it creates a little bit of a conundrum, doesn't it? Because you've suggested what a young person might need to do and that they have to, you know, first of all, recognize they have something to offer. That was the first thing you said to Armin. You know, you, you, you need to realize that you're bringing something to the table too. So don't let that keep you from doing the second thing, which is most important, which is stepping out and asking. But on the other side where you have the more experienced crowd that might be assuming, hey, there are other people that are out there doing that sort of thing. And they also might be feeling like I'm not the type of person that's going to put myself out. And frankly, I'm kind of busy anyway. What do they do to signal to the younger group that they're available, that they may be open to the right, right. kind of thing? Great question. And probably I led you astray just a little bit. There are guys like me and Mike and Greg and Charlie that are going, hey, I want to mentor these guys. So it wasn't a, I take back a little bit of what I said. I do go after people, but I'm not going after the masses. Mm -hmm. I go after people that are in, within my bandwidth. Like I've got this much time and I can invest in these guys. Like for an example, two weeks ago, I went to a guy, I had lunch with him. 
And I said, hey, I'm going to be leading a small group starting in August, and I'm enlisting guys now. I've had my eye on you. You know the reason I've had my eye on that guy? Because he is killing it. This guy is doing all he can do. He's lit. Listen, here's what he did. He bought a house. And he's living in the basement with his wife and two kids, and he's leasing out the upstairs for an Airbnb for seven years because instead of having a 30-year mortgage, he's got a seven-year payout now, and he's going to move upstairs once the house is paid for and he's done. So he did it and said, see, I love that. That guy is delaying gratification for the greater good, right? And I'm like, dude, I want to pour my life into you. I want to teach you. So you bring your wife, I'm bringing my wife, there's going to be five other couples, and for a year, we're going to lead a small group, and I'm going to be, see, that's the kind of guy I'm looking for. I don't want to look for the guy, forgive me, because this is a pet peeve of mine, I'm not interested in the guy every weekend is sitting on his couch playing Fortnite and staying up all night and <laughs> drinking beer and going out and partying. I'm not interested in mentoring you. I'm just not. Because my time is valuable and I'm very expensive when you hire me to be your coach. And if I'm going to give you my time and I'm going to mentor you, you're going to have to have stepped up to the plate and show that you're going to give all you got. So you're basically saying you're not going to throw pearl before swine. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> Somebody just got offended. I don't know who. I was just curious some, who got offended. Some Fortnite player on a couch. Well, <laughs> sorry. I hate video games, guys. I'm just telling you. we are, right. Don't get me on that because we could talk for two more hours. We, we We're just heard Aaron's call them a swine. We're killing our kids. We're killing everybody because you can't get your dead gum self off them games and get out there and do something that really matters. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's all right. So let's give some pointers to those who are, you, you gave pointers to the millennials on how to seek a mentor. And you yeah. mentioned what your criteria is in terms of the kinds of people that you select in terms of that you're willing to give yourself to. But when you meet with other people who have some capacity and they have a ton of experience like you do, uh, what tips would you give them to get themselves in the game and, and to improve their connection with those like-minded millennials that might need their help? Yeah, it just takes training. It's stewardship. And see, it goes back to my faith just a little bit. And well, not, not a little bit, a whole lot. It goes back to my faith completely is that we are stewards over what God has given us. Not, that doesn't mean just financially. That means our time as well and our gifts and our talents. I'm going to share something I've really never shared on a podcast. And I've done a lot of interviews, but I am. I'm going to share something with you that I feel it, this is the appropriate time to share this. Like I wrestle in my mind now at 58 years old. It's like, Am I allowed to retire? Let me tell you what I mean by that. God has given me a special gift, and I acknowledge it, and it's of encouragement. God's really given me the gift of encouragement, and I use that all the time, and we've built very successful business around it. Is it okay for me one day to go, okay, I've got enough money. I'm going to go down to the Caribbean, sit on the front porch of a tiki hut, and I'm just going to kick back with Robin. Now I'm not using my gifts and my talents. I think there's a stewardship, and I think we have to be released in order to do that because, you know, there's no mention of retirement in the Bible. It doesn't mm -hmm. even talk about it. That's right. And so I think that oftentimes we just uh, choose and elect to squander our talents. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I've been released to be able to do that. People ask me all the time, why do you do this, Big A? Why You've been working since you were eight years old, and here you are 58. You've worked 50 years. Why don't you just go down there and relax? And I'm like, well, first and foremost, because I, I love working. I love encouraging me, and I love to see the change happen in their life. And the other thing is God has given me a talent 
to be able to help teach other people how to be successful and significant. And so I think it's a stewardship issue. I think that we need to encourage these guys that are my age and even younger to say there's a stewardship responsibility that you should be using your talents for the benefit and the growth and to help other people achieve and accomplish the things that God's called them to do. Amen. I couldn't agree with you more on that. And I'm a, I'm a year ahead of you and I've had the same conviction myself as I just don't see that coming for me. I, I, I want to stay in the game as long as I can. And it isn't going to be because I'm retiring out of comfort. I went and met with uh, my mentor, another one we haven't talked about yet at all, Dan Miller. Dan mm-hmm. owns 48 Days to the Work You Love. And it's because of Dan that I'm even coaching today. And he told me that when I told him I was going to retire. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, nothing. He said, that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> And I wanted to poke him in the eye when he said it. And he said, you need to coach and train and help these other guys. Well, a few months back, I went and met with Dan. Dan's 71 years old, and he rolled out his 15-year plan to me. Mm. He's 71 years old. He's crushing it in many arenas. And he said, man, I don't want to sit on the front porch and rock myself to sleep. Why don't I? I would die. He said, I want to be in the game. I want to be inspiring. I want to help. I want to be a thought leader. I want to be an encourager. And see, that's the mindset that I've been around now for decades with Dave Ramsey and Ken Abraham and Dan Miller in our mastermind group. It's that thought leader mentality. It's that growth mindset. It's helping and encouraging and giving. It's not taking and sheltering and mm-hmm. putting away. It, it's We've got to have that giving mindset not the taking mindset. Amen to that. I, I couldn't I couldn't express that any further. Well, this brings us to the next question, perhaps the last one here. What's your next bold idea then? Well, we're uh, we've been working on this now for five years. We've got Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind Group, and uh, we're, we've been pretty successful at it. We've got fourteen mastermind groups, and we're in nine different countries now. And I'm starting to get a lot of attention from other people that want to develop masterminds. They're like, hey, I want to do my own. So they're calling me now and they're hiring me to teach them to do what we do. So we've got an eight-person team now. So for 18 months daily, we've been working on developing systems and processes. And now we finally put it into a master course. And so we teach people from soup to nuts. I mean, everything that there is to know, the templates, the processes for onboarding, uh, the book reviews, the accountability, the resourcing, the podcast, you know, uh, communication, how we do that, uh, the Alexa briefs, the blogging, the Facebook Live, you name it. If it's to be done as it relates to lead magnets, to books, to promotions, everything is in this course. And we're going to be launching that course. And it's taken us 18 months to put it together. It's very, very intensive mastermind training. And no one's ever done this. No one's ever put this together before. And so we're excited about that. That's my next new bold idea. Yeah, well, sign me up. When does that launch? How much does it cost? When does it start? (laughs) Serious question. You got two buyers right here. Yeah, yeah. That's a serious question. I'll be in touch with you. But it is, we just got finished with the, it's 50 slide deck pages with every step written out and videos, tutorials in training people. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. We tell you every move to make to build mastermind groups. And uh, we, we've done that kind of out of necessity as we continue to grow because we're averaging about one person every three days joining our mastermind group. 
And so as we grow, we needed more systems and processes. And uh, so we've just developed this and it'll be launching this year. Seriously though, is there a pricing to that yet that you could share yet or no? Uh, not that we're ready to share it yet. Okay. I was genuinely curious. That's what I was asking. <laughs> yeah, he, sure. he has his wallet out and everything. I mean, he's ready to go. I'm actually well, thank ready to you. Go. I appreciate that. But uh, it'll be worth the wait. And listen, for five years of putting it together, not having to reinvent the wheel, it's just plug and play. Uh, it, it'll be worth every dollar we charge for it. Sure, well, sure. We know, we, we know your heart and wait. we know your material and we know that it will be everything that you just and described. And you like to so. make millennials suffer by exercising patience that we don't have. Yeah, this <laughs> is how you work. This is that <laughs> delayed gratification yeah, he's talking about. Lot, Aaron. <laughs> hey, listen, let me just go on record as saying I love the millennials. I'm just telling you, sometimes I think some of them get a bad rap. Some of the most amazing young people I know, millennials, that are crushing it. My daughters are two of them, and we own another company uh, here, and they both work in that company. And they are absolutely amazing. They're involved in mastermind and personal development, and there's so many amazing millennials out there. So don't put a bad hat on yourself and convince yourself you're one way. Hey, you're a great generation. Uh, I got to I gotta show you Armin's video. He does have a bad hat on. Uh, <laughs> Send it to me. I want to see it. Well, you got you to gotta know it's like 15 below outside right now. So <laughs> With the wind chill that brings it down to 30 below. <laughs> so he's got a bad boy hat on. <laughs> so it's funny that you said that. Aaron, what a pleasure to have you on the program again. Thanks again for being our guest on the show. And, and like, uh, as always, you have such great insights to share. And I know our audience is just going to be uh, blessed by <laughs> what you've said already. And I uh, just want to thank you again for being on the program. Larry, thank you very much. And if you guys want to reach out, just go to viewfromthetop.com. I'd love to have you involved in our mastermind program. And Armin, it's always a pleasure. Put that hat on. Stay warm, buddy. <laughs> and I'll see y'all next time. Always right. a pleasure, sir. Be blessed. Take care. Okay, Armin. Always good to have Aaron on the program. I don't like him. <laughs> he stresses me out. It makes me want to work harder. <laughs> Just kidding. I love the man. He's it makes you want to. Makes you want to go back to your video game. <laughs> yes, the game I've never played. <laughs> so what's going on in your head, Larry? Oh, I know you guys yeah, are kind of. You know, you're the Midwest version of Aaron Walker. Oh, I don't. I don't know about that. But I tell you what, he's he's got so many good things to say, and I I really. Uh, I had to laugh earlier because, you know, we're, he, he mentioned early in our episode that we rarely learn from failure. And then you brought up the question about, well, how do you deal with people who are, you know, not willing to deal with failure and they walk away from all that. And <laughs> I just had to kind of internally laugh because I, I just saw a romantic comedy, an old one. <laughs> and this guy has all this failure happening in his life and then his girlfriend leaves yeah. and his response to her is, so you basically just want me when I'm problem free. <laughs> and I was like, you know, if you think about it, that's kind of how we want relationships. Right. You know, we, we want our relationships to be problem free. We don't want them to right. be sticky and messy, but it is when we have those challenging times in our lives when we need mentors the most. Mm -hmm. Right. And that the, the things that he talked about uh, with the mentors that he had, I mean, here's, here's how he described, this is the notes I took as he was describing the people that were mentoring in his life. You know, they, they sought them out and he, he went and he sought them out and he seeked them. And he talked about that as being, you know, kind of one of the key things that yeah. you need to do. But it was years and years of life on life. It wasn't just this commitment to, you know, I'm going to just answer a question when you have a question. It's this willingness 
to invest in their success. And he pointed that out was that that was a key thing. And it was driven because I think Aaron probably exhibited the same traits to his mentors that he likes to see in those that he wants to mentor, which is this desire to get better. Yeah. You know, and that, that to me, you know, if you, if you ask me, what do I look for when somebody's approaching me with my busy time? I want to know that they can articulate a vision and a passion for something. I want to, I want to know how to hook into what it is that they have an interest in. Right. And if they're just like, there's no bulb on at home, you know, yeah. <laughs> then I have, I'm less interested to help. Right. Them. Totally. I think there's this separation between mentorship and discipleship, right? There's mentorship is this idea of in the most minimalistic way, how can I be involved to problem solve on behalf of someone else and sometimes just give advice at kind of what it feels like. And then there's the other side of it where it's, it is what Aaron just broke down, which is discipleship, which is living life with someone, being around. Investing them, do, in them. Yeah, yep. it's a, it, it is a very involved, committed relationship. And it's not always pretty. And the conversations aren't always grace-filled kumbaya moments. I mean, it, sometimes it requires it to be ugly. And the only reason is it gets ugly is because you have to hear what you don't want to hear, but it's exactly what you need to hear, you know? And that goes two ways uh, sometimes. Sometimes the mentor gets to hear it too, but I'm just trying to bridge the gap in our, my generation. It's kind of hard, you know, of trying to mentor discipleship bridge. I kind of think about it in three ways. I think about it as, you know, you can take the form of a teacher where you're imparting information. You know, you're just that I'm throwing something over the wall and you can learn from it or not learn from it. Choice is yours. And I don't have much more responsibility other than to convey the information. Right. I can be a coach where I'm taking that information and I'm tailoring it to you and and maybe walking alongside you to see if you get it. Right. But I'm tailoring information to you as a coach. Or I can be an advocate where I'm not just tailoring information to you, but I'm seeking out things that might be a benefit to you because I'm always thinking about how can you be helped. I'm looking at ways in which I can... So it's much more proactive. I mean, if you look at it on a proactive and engagement scale... Yeah. And I'm not trying to denigrate teaching. All that's very important. But I think when you're looking at how you invest your energies, do you invest as a teacher? Do you invest as a coach? Do you invest as a advocate? Yeah. And maybe there are people in times in our lives that we, you know, it isn't all on of mentoring or all on of one thing or another. Yeah. But maybe for some, your teacher, for some, your coach, for some, your advocate, because you can't be an advocate for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the training program that Aaron's talking about, that's a teaching form. I mean, he's yeah. putting it together. It's online. It's all very valuable, but you know, here's the information. It's not specifically tailored to your specific thing. He may have accommodation through that. Maybe he has coaches that do that. Yeah. But unless you get on a personal one-on-one time with him and he walks through life with you, he's probably not likely to be your advocate. Right. You know, because he doesn't understand, you know, all your drives and what you're trying to go after. But we can take one of those three forms and apply that in our life when we're dealing with the people that are in front of us. And I do wholeheartedly, I just love that he brought that up at the end, the whole thing about stewardship. The gifts that we've received from God are not ours. The blessings that we've had because of the gifts that we've received, they're not ours. Yeah, We are stewards over all that. And, uh, and the more we hold on to it, the more we clutch it, the more we kill it. Hmm. 
Agreed. And, and, it, and it's something we're to give to others. No doubt. I, I, I think one of the challenges, especially for my, for my generation, is that we have taken this mantra that knowledge is power and uh, made it an absolute, even though it's a half-truth, right? As if, as if if I know something, just because I know it, then I have power over mm-hmm. it. Which, which, if that was true my diabetic family members would eat less sugar, but they don't, right? (laughs) right. My overweight family who's constantly dieting once every month for a week and can't lose weight for some weird reason, right? Is it's the same thing or whatever, right? There's you, you have the knowledge, but you don't do anything with it. You don't apply it. So it's really not that powerful. But my generation is convinced that if I can acquire more knowledge that somehow it makes me better. And I think there's this, there's, a difference between knowledge and wisdom and I think that that process of getting that r- real tangible committed relationship with someone is the only thing that will challenge you enough to take that next step of applying it so yes knowledge is good but I don't think it's power um, I think where it really comes from is that w- it once it becomes wisdom then wisdom is liberty wisdom is power yeah, yeah, right yeah. Yeah. and so for me I just feel like I live in a generation that is so overeducated and so under challenged that it's slowly dying because all we do is consume data and do nothing with it and act as if we knew know something or I've magically become experts let me debate you yep you can google knowledge but you can't google wisdom right that's good yeah yeah and and I think that's the distinction you're making and it's really vital and that's why we need these relationships and that's why it comes right back to what Aaron said at the very beginning you know your relationships are your number one asset absolutely all right so our encouragement to you today is to go out and really just evaluate how is your relational asset balance sheet right you know has it grown and as you look at this year and, and what's coming up what do you need to do to strengthen yourself to keep yourself from that confirmation bias focus that keeps you just getting into an echo chamber of being yeah. around people that always see things the way you are. Do you have people in your life that are willing to challenge your core assumptions and to help you grow and stretch? In fact, maybe the deeper question is, do you want to grow and stretch? But we think you do because you're listening to this podcast and you've listened this far. Right. So Everybody email Aaron right now. <laughs> At least five times. Just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> well, for sure. Aaron would love for you to visit his uh, his website and we'll have that website and links and how to get a hold of Aaron in our show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash eight seven. And be sure to leave a comment for us there as our, on our show note page or call our show line at 612-568-IDEA, 612-568-4332. Well, we love the time that we had with Aaron. We love the time that we get with you and we hope to see you again. And this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi saying so long until then. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.